Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. I'm your host Aaron and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with a man that's won his own golden ticket. That is of course James. Hello there. And this week we're going to look at the 1971 classic Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, that magical place where all the naughty children get shoved down the tube. Mmm. Yeah. Fucking brutal, isn't it? <laughs> We're going to look at the highs and lows of the movie and uh, also talk talk about other film news and just general chit-chat from the week. We release this episode each and every week on a Monday um, and there's over 180 episodes for you to go back and enjoy on all sorts of topics. Sometimes we take on a movie, other times a director, an actor, or just a theme or a genre. There's all sorts of different things in there. And as I say, 180 for you to go back and check out. If you like us, don't forget to leave a review. Like and subscribe. We get a new episode for free Every week, we have not dropped the ball in over three, four years. Yeah, it's been it's been a magical time. I know this because I've had to. I mean, spoilers coming up. I've done yourself. I've done yourself a bit of something mm. because you know we like to celebrate birthdays here, and it, we try to do maths. Maths, my low point. Tried to work out this will release the nearest to your birthday. Mm. So I've prepared a quiz for you, and that's involved me doing a lot of research. So I've gone back and done that research. I'm dropping no hints. So I've dropped several. <laughs> so this week we have uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. We have a quiz and we also have a special, uh, just a bit of a conversation, which is going to be around unsung heroes in movies. And I think this perfectly linked because, you know, you go back all the way to episode one and you're talking about a Gene Wilder, underappreciated heroes. What an underappreciated icon, you know, changed the world of comedy. You know, everyone remembers him with his, his, his side partnership, his side partnership, his partnership with uh, Pryor. But he did some magical things on his own. What a great man. What an mm. unsung legend. In the partnership with uh, Mel Brooks. I mean, I would say he's a sung legend. I'd say he's in there with one of cinema's greats. He, he is. And I guess what I'm just trying to say is I'm desperately trying to link them together. You're trying to find that tedious link to yeah. these. But this is the way of the podcast, James. There's no rhyme or reason to why we do what we do. Yeah. But somehow we'll make it work. So next week we're doing Mel Gibson and Alien films. <laughs> <laughs> Last week we did Robocop versus Terminator versus Predator versus Alien. So oh, how many... Uh, how many emails did you get? I got one from Shep, who was like, you're wrong. Every, like, <laughs> what I found with this doing this podcast is, it, like, people will often say to you, like, oh, I like your podcast. And you say, oh, have you left us a review? No, no, no. Yeah. But they, they fucking people won't hesitate to write an email <laughs> if we wrote the wrong, if we do the wrong thing, say the wrong word or mispronounce a name. Um, these shows are unscripted, unrehearsed. Um, so often, <laughs> often we're getting things wrong. But, you know, like, like it's, an, it's an opinion, James. Last week we discussed it and out of uh, Robocop, Terminator, Alien and Predator, we said Drudge Dread would win. Because <laughs> it's our podcast. I think everyone agreed though with that Robocop basic bitch. I don't know. I got a few people writing to me saying, how did you write Robocop off so quickly? And but, I was like, but, because he can't move. <laughs> because, because we compared him to the other three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I stand by that decision. Judge Dredd or the Xenomorph of the four. Of the four is the Xenomorph. And then, yeah. But, you know, go back, listen. And if we are wrong, let us know. Um, But yeah, all sorts of other episodes and uh, podcasts for you to download. This week, though, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the Roald Dahl classic, interpreted a 1971 movie, (sighs) Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, starring Gene Wilder. We're going to take a deep dive into that. Do we start there? Do we do the quiz? What do we do, James? What Um, have you been up to this week? Well, I'm back at work. Mm. Um, It's been a magical time of, of, of learning for that dollar. Um, I've gone basically. I've gone back to the TV screen. Yeah. So I've not been watching the the, the all the big movies that have coming out. Although, as we realised, it's just Scream that I've missed. I've gone back to Cobra Kai from the beginning because I'm a slut. You start Cobra Kai from the start beginning. Start Cobra Kai again. And I'd like to point out each episode is, is basically half an hour, so you can watch a series in five hours. I make I don't have much time, man. <laughs> so I've got no life. Smash it out. Mm. I'm trying to get Esther to watch it. 
And Esther won't watch it until she's seen The Karate Kid. And we can't see The Karate Kid until, because it's not on any streaming sites. So I did bend and I watched Encanto. Encanto? Encanto, yeah. Encanto on the Disney Plus. Mm. I've got to say, what Disney Plus is doing, uh, sorry, what Disney Animated Studios um, are doing at the minute is, I'm going to say some of the greatest work an animation studio has ever done. Yeah, they're not dropping the ball, are they? They are not dropping the ball. Again, it goes to the Columbia, so it's, it's another, it's, it's away from the white princess who falls in love with it. It's basically this kick-ass lady who doesn't get her special powers that her family's appreciated. Encanto's like the miracle house where wishes come true. What I mean by that is they're all given powers and the idea of paying it back. So like her older sister's super strong. I remember reading an article about the facial expressions for the characters in this. I like, there's something like 30 times more than you've seen in anything else. And Pixar have taken me on a ride from, I didn't think they could be Inside Out, which is genuinely a moving story about dealing with depression. And a teenage girl, and there I was like a and thirty okay year old man to feel sad. <laughs> yeah, and... what an amazing story! And then I, I didn't think they were going to get any better than you know Coco showing me about like the Day of the Dead. What an amazing experience that was! But, but no, 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 they got me. Now I care about this little wish village in Columbia. What phenomenal story! And do you know what amazing, mate? Bit of a spoiler. No villain. Mm. Oh, you've seen that, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. What a story! I was like, so who's the bad guy? It turns out it was me. I, for, for being me. I think you're right, though, hitting the nail on the head. Like, animation is such a wonderful medium to talk about and to showcase ethnicities and cultures that are maybe not as mainstream, and certainly like us living here in Lincoln. I know mm. very little about the Day of the Dead festivals and, you know, and, and what have you. And these are great gateways in for young audiences to learn and appreciate the the, the, the variety that the world has to offer. They, they are, they're a highlight when they come out. I think I've talked about it before that I put it on because I've got a one-year-old and when I realised she was too young to pay attention, I was like, I'm saving this for me. <laughs> so, so I stopped it and we put on so you know, like Secret Garden or something. It's a magical film. The songs are great. I'm really into musicals at the minute. So he just won the Golden Globe. Have you seen Tick, Tick, Boom? Yes. Yeah. I genuinely think that's deserved. I'm, 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 I'm all up in the grill about these musicals and I'll tell you what, I didn't think Andy Garfield could sing. Andrew but, Garfield does that thing where he can overact and, he, and he's not chewing the scenery. Mm. He does oh, it. He does it. Point, actually, he does yeah. it very well. He's one of them few actors that can really go for it and be very like brash and bold and expressionistic when everyone else is kind of playing it down. And you and he gets away with it. He's very charismatic and animated in a way that is very accepting to an audience as well. He's perfectly cast for that role. Yeah, do you know what? That's such a good point. He is animated to the point of buffoonery but at the same time it works in his character because his character was well, he's based on a real person who wrote uh, wrote the musical Rent he fits in perfectly into that world that Lin-Manuel Miranda creates and I think Lin-Manuel Miranda might actually be a wizard I'm not, I'm, he is, yeah. I think he genuinely might be a wizard I do maintain that I think he might be an arsehole to be around because he strikes me as a perfectionist mm. like you are one half second out. you're a musical guy uh, you're playing a band is what I mean you, you don't send around singing um, I imagine he is a perfectionist. Can you see it? Just yeah, like, he's you, a uber talented bloke, isn't he? He's so talented. Yeah, he is. He's. A, I think he's a presence on screen and off screen. Um, yeah, I enjoyed that movie. I really, really did. If if it won, if it swept up awards, great. Uh, it's a truly deserving movie for that. Um, and I'm not a big musical guy. And actually, that links us in nicely with Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. There you go. Um, which we'll get to in a moment. But uh, I, this week, I've not watched any movies, really. <gasps> I've avoided the temptation of Pig, because that is now on it's Sky on, Cinema. I saw, I saw it was on there last night, but I didn't have two hours. So, was... Oh, it's only an hour and a half. Oh, my. Yeah, sure, I'm going to watch it I'm tonight. I'm going to watch it. Yeah, then. so the, we'll, we'll talk about that soon. That's the Nicolas Cage movie. I did, though, I have watched uh, Dexter. So I've caught with Ooh, a, a season of Dexter. Yeah. I do have a question. It was it was a fan of the show that asked me in person, 
Like, did you ever catch up with that very depressing TV series? The one that it was based on a book about women being held down in chains, uh, repressed. The Chestnut Man. No, The Handmaidens. Oh, The Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale. Did you catch up with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm up to date now. <laughs> Waiting for the next season. Is it still ultimately depressing? Is, it, um, is there any hope in there? Cause yeah. Because they, they said to me they miss your updates because they, that update made them feel better about themselves. Yeah, it, it's bleak, man. It's, <laughs> it's bleak. <laughs> but no, it is. It had, a, had a, a glimmer of hope by the last season and it does leave it on a on a cliffhanger that we want to see what happens next. It has been renewed as well. And I think the... I think they've filmed the next season and they've already been told that the final season has been greenlit because so, it's a huge show. So I don't want to go on about it too much, but Cobra Kai, the next season is already filmed. They filmed it during the pandemic as running consistently with the last one. So hopefully it'll come out soon. I think they're doing this now and they continuity. Ooh. But I, uh, Dexter, I watched, I'm not going to give any spoilers away, certainly redeems itself from the last season that was, I think, back in 2013. We, all I remember was the bad times, <laughs> the dark times. Yeah, so the hurricane and... Um, you know, we all we all died in that storm. <laughs> we, wish, we all wish we'd gone in a hurricane. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, and so watch this. And I, I liked it. I like small town, small town America crime dramas. You know, it's very Stephen King, Maine, Derry. You yeah. know, he's a lumberjack now, kind of working uh, discreetly under the the new name Jim Lindsay. And oh. of course, them temptations creep back in. I'm not going to give any spoilers away, but I will say things like Jennifer Carpenter is back in it now as the voice in his head because the dad's yeah. gone. Um, so that's pretty cool. So his sister's there is like the the what they the call voice. a dark passenger. Well, the dark passenger reason, what, isn't she? The dark passenger is what he's trying to suppress. That's uh-huh. the urge that he has to kill. And so in his head, Harry's dad was always the one who was trying to get him to to calm it and control it. And now that's Jennifer uh-huh. Carpenter's role. Um, you know, as his sister Debs. Um, it's got a good cast. It, it, do you know what? It is shamefully. Um, ridiculous and laugh out loud like there are there are things in it like small town police station with a sheriff and three cops you know they're all bumbling idiots you know it's like oh who stole the pie (laughs) you know and they don't realize that there's a fucking serial killer in their town (laughs) and um and in true Dexter fashion, not just one serial killer, there's another serial killer in that town what that he comes up against. And, um, it, you know, it is again, but it's just full of things like, um, you, you know, like this podcaster comes to town because she's got a whiff of a crime and uh, she's riding around with a cop <laughs> who's just taking her on like, oh yeah, and here's the crime scene. Yeah, because that would happen. <laughs> Please go stand in it. <laughs> it's, just, it's just full of stuff like that where you're like, oh, okay, that's all right, fine. You know, um, and so it is, it is quite laughable at how silly it is, but it's just a return to form for Michael C. Hall and seeing that role. Cause I did like Dexter as a character when, oh, when yeah. I kind of got swept up in the hysteria of them and there were the highs and lows. This certainly ends on a high. It's, it's ridiculously stupid and laughable at how it gets away with some things like, just go with that. Just, just accept that <laughs> that happens. Accept it. That leap. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, but it, it, it certainly resolves in a much more, um, Satisfactory way? Satisfactory ending. It, it is ties there, up a lo- lot of loose ends. Is there a possibility of an series without spoiling it, or is it or is it nice bookend done? Um, it, it's all it's with with these shows. It's the it most profitable mo- uh, TV show from Showtime. So uh-huh. the, the so Showtime, I think they released figures of eight million an episode, which in in streaming world land now that is amazing. That's very impressive, yeah. So of course it's money. They're going to think about it they're more than likely going to do a spin-off. So they introduce new characters in this. And the books also um, go off. The TV film, uh, the TV shows kept it very straight lace. You know, in his head, it was his dad's and that kind of thing. Whereas in the um, books, it was like a demon. It was like a ancient demon in his head. And the books are, I'm, 
I'm they're, not going to they're, they're, they're not they very crap, good. Yeah. I mean, there were some ways like taking on courts and the courts are just ridiculous. Je- I didn't get on with the Jeff Lindsay stuff. I'd, but, um, I thought the first one was like, okay, it's passable. Yeah, but then again, all Dexter's laughable and it's like, oh, who's the killer? This prosthetic arm surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, if, oh, look at this guy coming into episode nine of a 10 episode run. <laughs> I, was, I, was always, I was always a big fan when it was the big names. Like in the third one, it's like Jimmy Smith is here for no reason. I wonder who the killer will be. <laughs> There is, a, there is a pretty nice home run at the end in the last episode where a lot of your favourite characters just flash up in a sequence. Oh, that cool. was like It felt like a victory lap of like, remember when this show was absolutely great. Season and four. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of that kind of stuff. And and this is heavily off the back of season four. Honestly, I, I am going to watch it. I've seen the first two episodes. Yeah. I, I, I think I was waiting for it because the expanse is weekly. I needed something to, I need, I wanted to let them build up, mate. Mm. Well, yeah, they're, they're all out now. It's all done. So I'd, oh. I'd watch it before it gets spoiled. Okay. Well. Because apparently now you can, I don't know what is the rule. 72 hours and you can spoil shit. Well, I, I remember being on the internet the day I saw Spider-Man, which mm. is when I came out, it was the first screening. And then the next day you could spoil it apparently. So I saw something on the day that says, don't, don't spoil Spider-Man. You can spoil Spider-Man. Yeah. And at least when we do it on this podcast, people have downloaded the episode, we've given clear warning and we save it to the end. And it's always can... like two weeks after because of the way we record. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, so where do you want to start? Willy Wonka? Let's go Willy Wonka. Willy let's, Wonka. Let's, let's start this magical journey. Have you got a bit of a preamble? Got a bit of a preamble. So about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory of 1971, we already talked about. Directed by Mel Stewart and adapted from the works of Roald Dahl. Read a lot of Roald Dahl growing up. Yeah, he was my go-to. I think um, probably him and he, it was Enid Blyton that did the, the the runaway children of railway children. Yeah. yeah, but to me, I was a bit of a fantasist growing up and the idea of this wickedly cruel, like kind of corrupt world that Roald Dahl wrote his books in, mate, I was fascinated with. It. And I really liked the art style. And I know you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but I'm glad I did because I got invested. Quinton Blake art style, yeah. Yeah, to talk about it all the time. I love the fact that it's weird. I love mm. the fact that he's not, you know, the twits, you know, cooking, you know, cooking each other pies and stuff like that with stuff in it or, you know, putting things on the end of chairs to make you think that you're getting bigger. It's ridiculous. Mm. And then I saw The Witches, mate, and I read The Witches. Terrified. I was terrified. I was terrified that I was going to end up in a painting. Yeah, and <laughs> so interested in that. Fucking owns that role. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, absolutely phenomenal. One of my favourites growing up. It, it does make me sad that when I see a child who hasn't read Lord Hall, I want to go to the library and give him a book. Now I'm always I'm always a bit skeptical when uh, talking about Roald Dahl because I know there is also a lot of uh, a, a vast community that do not sing his praises. I don't think he was overly uh, politically correct in some of uh, his interviews, and I do think he's been uh, attached to certain groups that are maybe less favourable, but we're not here to judge the person, no, just the work, as just always. The art, so um so I, I just don't want anyone to get triggered by that. You know, talk about Roald Dahl. But yeah, growing up and it's school, I mean these were the if you're from the UK, I know a lot of our listeners are American, but from the UK, Roald Dahl is like a staple in school, isn't mm. it? It's it's a staple book that you read each year, you know, kind of mainly through primary school. A great imaginative like leaps. Like the idea of of a guy, I know keep on topic, this recruit that owns like a chocolate factory who lets mm. kids in is an absolutely phenomenal. A married couple trying to kill each other. Yeah. You know, a big friendly giant that blows dreams into your ears. They're all phenomenal ideas. Yeah, yeah. And they and they are also uh, laced with uh, nods to the adult readers as well. You know, you go and look in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, there are characters called Veruca and Salt and these kind of names. And um, it's it, it's got the kind of adult themes in there as well. But for me, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was probably my favourite. Did you I think? Did you read Glass the Glass Elevator? The Great Glass Elevator. I did. Yeah, oh, I, I did. I didn't well. think that was as, as I don't good. Don't remember it. 
Yeah, I remember. I just remember because in that one you see the vicious uh, canids, yeah, yeah, the space alien blob things, yeah. yeah. Oh my god! It, it, it took awesome. it took a turn. I think that second book it lost yeah. its artist integrity. I think. Yeah, uh, that's what that's it, what it sold was. out. Yeah, it sold out, mate. When the space, um, <laughs> like Independence Day. <laughs> <laughs> Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, the story follows Charlie, a young hopeful boy who dreams of winning one of five golden tickets that will send him on a tour of Willy Wonka's mysterious chocolate factory. Mm. It stars. Uh, Peter Ostrom as Charlie, his only acting role. I was going to say, he, he slowly disappeared after this. He, he, it's going to be hard for him. He's playing Charlie. Every boy in the 70s wanting to be Charlie is going to be asked to have the expectations of the world on you. After this, he got offered a five-movie deal because this movie as well, off the bat, was profitable. I think it was made for three million, made four million on its release. And then obviously, since then, has gone on to make much, much more. Char- um, sorry, Peter Ostrom, who played Charlie, was offered a five-film uh, deal that he turned down. I think it became a veterinarian. He's done. Oh, nice. He's done a lot of like the commentaries and stuff like that, and the um, the kind of where are they now kind of documentaries. Yeah. And I believe what's very touching is in 2016 when Gene Wilder passed away, he changed his Twitter bio to say. Uh, vet and owner of the chocolate factory. Oh, that's um, nice. So that, yeah, that's pretty cool. Presumptuous of him, though. <laughs> well, that was the point of the film, wasn't no, it? Sure. You got, you got the <laughs> Spoilers. Um, probably the veteran star of this is Jack Albertson and his grandpa Joe, with the benefit thief. We'll talk about that shortly. Uh, Roy Kinnear, um, who is Rory Kinnear's dad. Yeah. So Rory Kinnear, I'm a big fan of. I think any time he pops up in a, um, a James Bond movie or, or kind of a lot of the British British dramas that he's in. Yeah. I because he was in Penny Dreadful and I, and I didn't really connect to that show, but he was great in it as the kind of Frankensteinish monster character. Is his, is his dad Veruca Salt's father? Yeah, they look you so can alike. See, you can yeah. see it, can't you? And he's amazing, by the way. In this, I really like. I really like him. He, I think he's amazing. In he this should film. just be called Blood Pressure <laughs> because <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like he's he's <laughs> elevated. He, he all is, the way he is Blood Pressure. <laughs> um, Julie Dawn Cole is Veronica. So I'm not going to go for the whole. I just like cast. To point, just naturally it's come up. I think she's a fun, she's so phenomenal in this role. Well, that's why I put it down. Julie Dawn Cole as Veronica, Veruca Salt. Sorry, is. Possibly after Gene Wilder is Willy Wonka, he's, I think he's maybe the star of the show. I think. Yeah. She, I think she she got the golden ticket, James. She <laughs> she, she was she, after that career. She <laughs> she was she was brilliant. She she did lots of little things as well that I'll bring up. Mm. Did like no, I'll bring them up. Michael Bol- <laughs> Michael Bonner as Augustus Gloop, and of course the amazing, the wonderful Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka. So at just over one hour thirty, this beloved musical adventure film is a firm favourite uh, in family households, schools, and in pop culture. It's quotable, memorable, and really quite enjoyable. Critics um, and uh, fans continue to praise the film fifty years on. I know it's amazing, and as they should. And any attempt to replicate this, this is a <laughs> take that Tim Burton, <laughs> take that you dick. Um, this is a film that defines like this type of film. What we mean by that is you can make a film 30 years from now called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and we will always compare it to this original because it is beloved, great, it's a great child's film. There are children of this generation that will still watch it. It's the film, the mm. go-to, the imaginative film, the creative, the different, the hokey, the pokey. Mm. It's my it's, it's my Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It's my well, Willy Wonka. Well, that, I don't know why they do that. It kind of annoys me. <laughs> I, I think this is uh, it'll always go down to when you say describe an umpa lumpa people always say orange oh, and green one. hair and yeah. when you say describe um, 
Willy Wonka. I think people always say the kind of the purple tuxedo. Fans of the literature will go for the bottle green trousers, which Gene Wilder asked to change to the tan colour. Mm. Um, and I think Gene Wilder also spoke to the costume designers about shortening the top hacks. It was ridiculous in yeah. the original draft. Um, but I was, yeah, I think you'll always quote the aesthetics, the look of the original 71 movie over like the Tim Burton. And of course, we've got a prequel coming out with Timothy Chalamet geez. playing Willy Wonka, I think in 2023 next year. Who's directing? I don't know. As, uh, do you know what? Okay. Mm. Is, it, is it a backstory you actually want to care about? Yeah, I don't know if I want to know. Is Because that's part of the mystery, isn't it? Yeah. We're going to get like- on to the character in a minute, but part of it is that mystery of... I'm going to save it. I'm going to get on to him in a moment. Um, okay. As a kid, I love this film. I thought the recluse chocolatier and his mad fun house factory, the sweets, the chocolates that decorate the imagination, like chocolate rivers, edible rooms, lickable wallpaper, fizzy lifting drinks, everlasting gobstoppers, and of course, umpa lumpa. The magic, however, throughout this film is grounded in reality. Um, in a world of eccentric characters and once-in-a-lifetime uh, competitions, we follow Charlie, a humble, good-natured, relatable character. We have the sinister Mr. Slugworth and the mystery of Wonka himself, all neatly wrapped in foil as if a sweet itself. Oh, that was nice. I Thank enjoyed you very that. Much. Thank you. It's the only right I ever do is the setup, and I'll just talk <laughs> shit after that. <laughs> Um, so I, I rewatched this film this week with my little one. She's only one and, um, she, she loved it. And there's the song certainly helped, but, um, we watched it in kind of like three stages to keep her attention there. And I just loved it. I think all the way through the movie and I'm not a big musical fan, but every scene when it started, my memory was like a second ahead going, oh, there's this character or this one person says this in a moment is I couldn't believe how much of this film I remember almost word for word. I can't believe that it came out in 1971 because it, it feels like it was made when I was a child. It's still relevant when mm. I remember seeing it when I was young. I remember my cousins watching it when I was a teenager and went to go babysit. It was like, oh, I didn't get this film. This film's like followed me my entire life. It's really nice that, and also you appreciate it the more you go to because you, you realize what a sedative it is for young kids. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, look at them. They're singing a nice song. Everything's calm. And when it's calm, it's very calm. It's very tranquil. It's almost like watching a relaxation tape. And then they'll throw in some bollocks. <laughs> kids are screaming. I'm screaming because I'll be honest, there's a scene that still haunts me. <laughs> yeah, there is. The, yeah, yeah. The, the, I mean, it's interesting what you say as well, because Mel Stewart made the movie in Munich uh, and didn't put any cars in the movie because they would be the things that would date the film. Mm. So to make it, uh, you know, transparent to multiple generations and for years to come, by not putting cars in, you instantly take it that way. Now, no hairstyles and clothes and all mm. that kind of stuff, you know, but and choosing Munich because it looked like a storybook land as opposed to like New York or somewhere where people would go and be like, well, it's not like that anymore. It looks real. Yeah. It? It's, um, it, and as an adult now, so I probably watched this movie last maybe 15 years ago. So it's been a long time since mm. I watched it. Bear in mind, I watched it like a hundred times, you know, <laughs> when I was younger, but it, this was the first time when it, when it started, I went, where the hell is this film? Cause that in London, now they're all speaking with English accents, bar Augustus. His time will come. Um, but you know what I mean? I was like, they're also, particularly Veronica Salt and uh, Julie Dawn Cole's character, like she's really speaking English, you know what I mean? Uh, like Queen's English. And I was like, but that is in England. I, I thought it was like Bruges or someone like that or Belgium. But yeah, it turns out it's Munich. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Really interesting. But do you know what works in the favour as well? Is that 70s grime. Yeah. <laughs> I love a 70s grime because weirdly, one of my problems with um, Tim Burton's, it was that it didn't look, well, it wasn't supposed to look real. It was too fantastical. Mm. It's almost as if, and, oh my God, I'm actually about to say the sentence. There wasn't enough realism in this Roald Dahl adaptation. <laughs> I yeah. genuinely just said that line. But because that's what makes it more magical is if that is set in the real world. 
like um, Willy Wonka's factory is literally a warehouse full of great ideas, whereas Tim Burton's was a magical, wonderful place, which doesn't make any sense to me. Personally, yeah, it felt like it. it felt like yeah, it felt like um, Gene Wilder's factory was a factory, and it felt like which um, had magic in it. Yeah, and it felt like Jolly Depp's was like Disneyland, yeah, but a Tim Burton Disneyland. It, yeah, it didn't. It didn't feel. It didn't have the same pull to it that, that the original does. Well, no, to compare one of them's no. one of them shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's no comparison. It's fact. I think you could break this movie down into into three parts, like all all great movies. And the first part, I suppose, everything to the run up of our introduction to Gene Wilder um, coming out the gates and coming out the doors um, as Willy Wonka himself. So the whole setup at the beginning of this movie as well, I think, is incredibly interesting and sweet. And I like the the feel that you get for the town that Charlie's living in. The streets where the, the scene story where he's running around the streets, the sweet shop, the school, the house with the four grandparents in a bed. Tell you what, that teacher did not do a good thing for English teeth abroad, did he? Because he has some proper gnashes on it. Yeah, I can't remember that guy. His name's is it Stutterman. He was a big uh, character actor. Oh, he still is. I think he's still alive. He's so he hung around and worked a lot with the Monty Python crew. And he does, he, was, he does look familiar. Yeah, and he was in the Ruddles. Um, oh. he, he was in that sketch and the movie that came off off the back of that. Um, but if you look at his uh, filmography, he's been in a lot of TV shows that you know. Like be, again in the UK, and I suppose it's the same in America. Um, we have like staple television shows growing up, like Only yeah. Fools and Horses, and you know uh, Thin Blue Line or whatever. And he's he's often in a lot of these shows, Forty uh, Towers. Um, yeah, big big character actor um, over I, this way. I always forget about the Thin Blue Line. I'm always happy when someone else mentions it, mm. and also keeping up appearances. Oh yeah, I love that. Sorry. You ready? Uh, yes. Are you ready? Close your eyes. Okay. Last time I did this, James, you know what happened. You, I don't make you that joke. Right. Close your eyes. Mm. Settle down. We open as a familiar tune plays and we are treated to that dark, sexy, seductress chocolate. We share. We stare at it as it dances around the screen, playing with us, haunting us with its taste, cheekily tempting us. So you say, no chocolate. I can't have, I can't have it. A girlfriend, she won't understand. Don't tempt me chocolate because I don't have the power to deny you. No. <laughs> Next up is a man who obviously hasn't worked in retail long as, he, as he's got a big old smile as he serves children. <laughs> the worst of all God's creatures. Is this the candy man? Is candy, candy man. candy man can. He's handing out chocolate like you wouldn't believe. He isn't even taking the money off the children. Now. now oh, they're gone. It's just like, what's really weird is when you watch this, in the world that we live in now, my instant report was, they don't wash their hands, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> also, there's this great online theory as well about that character being the real, Willy the, no, the real, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, Slugworth. Slugworth. He's yeah. the real Slugworth. Oh, mate, that'd be in, cool. a twist at the end of the movie. <laughs> the person you think Slugworth isn't. Um, but the, yeah, because he, uh, there's also this big online theory that, all the, all the wealthy kids, when they come in, he's just throwing sweets and marshmallows and he even hits one of the kids as yes, well. With, with, <laughs> like he accidentally hits him with the, um, I don't know, like the-, the it's, it's the tabletop that moves the, so you yeah. can get behind the, uh, yeah. But when Charlie goes in later, That's he's like, funny. where's Dollar, mate? Yeah. <laughs> where's Dollar? And then he tells him off for eating too quickly. Oh, it's a different right. character when Charlie goes in. Well, I've got, I've got, I've got, it turns out Wonka's got a new bar, the Scrum Diddly Umptious. How does it, how does he do that? Oh, a child asked him, how does he do that? Well- he replies, would you ask a fish if they could swim or a bird how they would 
you know how they fly? Um, they do it because of science. And Wonka did it because he's a chocolatier. It's pretty basic, really. <laughs> it's um, his fucking job. <laughs> the man starts beginning to sing while he lifts up children and giving out more free food from all over the shop whilst he hits a kid in the face. <laughs> now, you say you say in a, in a COVID world that wouldn't happen. In any world after 2000, this probably wouldn't happen. happen. Um, the kids take full advantage and ransack the place. Not the best of business models. I like to point out the kids are fucking feral. <laughs> he gives them an inch and they take a fucking mile. It is a, it is a great scene though. And as a kid, as a kid watching that, seeing the sweet shop, because I don't know, I don't know now, James, I'm not a kid now, but when I was a kid. Why, why are you talking sandwiches, mate? That don't happen. <laughs> no, but when I was a kid, you did go, I did go to the little corner shop with the big sweet section with pocket money and choose, you know, there's endless possibilities of what you wanted. It felt like those walls were massive. And it, you know, I, even the, the brown wood looks chocolatey in this guy's chocolatier shop. Yeah. You wouldn't taste it though. No, I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> that one little girl that would though. Boom! In the face. <laughs> hey, it gets a bit somber now. We see Charlie watching outside looking sad. Yeah. Just go in, you pillock. <laughs> He's literally giving out free food. He delivers some papers and stands. So you see him and he, he basically is delivering papers. Everyone knows Charlie. He's a down on his luck, but he's doing the right thing. You know, he's talking to the paper salesman. He's doing his job. It's payday. He's saving up his money. He goes and stands and looks longfully at the Wonka factory where he meets a serial killer type person <laughs> who explains to him that no one comes in or out. But did you see this? When he walks away, he's got like this push. He's got fucking butcher's knives, knives on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, didn't catch that. What like, job is he doing? It's like, stay away, Charlie. That man's going to slap you up. That is a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, make him look a bit more sinister. It's like shitload of knives. A shitload of knives. Like giant knives. What's going on in Munich in 71? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if there was a murder, he would be the first person I'm looking at. It then it would be the candy man. <laughs> That's why he's given chocolate away, eat the evidence. <laughs> um, back at home, Grandpa Joe moans about Charlie working too hard. Well, fuck you, Joe. <laughs> Charlie's grandparents all sleep in one bed in the front room where they have cabbage water for tea most nights. Mm. That's, that's quite depressing. But not tonight. Tonight they also have bread. <laughs> Shouldn't laugh because it's fucking heartbreaking. Uh, Charlie's mama doesn't want him spending his money, but not Joe. No, Joe wants that fucking dollar and that bread. <laughs> He's such a dick. Charlie now pays for Joe's tobacco. That's a bit what odd, a isn't it? Dick. <laughs> that, is, that is that is weird. Isn't it? That's that 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 put a timestamp on this movie way before a car did. He's like, yeah, paying for his granddad's tobacco <laughs> with a coin. Yeah. Oh, but the uh, going to this bit as well. Uh, George, who's one of the other grandparents in this scene, you may notice. Uh, might not be looking in the same direction as everyone else. It's because he was nearly blind by oh, this point. I always felt sorry for him because he's the granddad that does nothing. So he's the he automatically he's the worst granddad. <laughs> well, he he's also he was nearly blind because he's a he was a World War veteran oh. and he uh, he had uh, a gas attack that caused his Jesus. eyesight to go. So on set, apparently there was someone with a big like sign just saying, to like just look like over look it. over here uh, for these scenes. Oh, that's. Uh, that, but that, that four in a bed that that is classic. That's Roald Dahl, isn't it? You always bring up the smell. <laughs> The smell would have been fucking terrible. And I'll tell you what, I know the mum washes sheets for a living. She doesn't wash sheets, she boils denim. <laughs> she boils denim, she does. That. that is her job. I don't know how to get them. I'll tell you what, there's, there's no boiling them sheets, mate. <laughs> them sheets will grow legs themselves. <laughs> They're fucking rockers cardboard, mate. That ain't nothing happening. Right. Joe explains that Wonka shot his factory. Did you know what as well? What makes that sorry, what makes it worse? Is they're eating cabbage all the time. <laughs> Josephine, don't lift the cover. Well, don't well, do it. What I love about it is, is cabbage water. But no, fuck the cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> Just the water, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who's that? Not me. Oh, God, it stinks. 
Joe explains that Wonka shut his factory down after all the other chocolate makers tried to steal his secrets. Then one day, the, the factory magically reopened without anyone coming in or out. What I do like about it is, the, the film doesn't do this, but in the books, I always remember that being a magical. Like, oh my God, what could be possibly be happening? When you get the explanation, that was, I remember always really liking it. Yeah, right. Who's in there? Who's helping him? How can one man be yeah, making exactly. all this chocolate? Ooh, find out. At school, everyone hears that Wonka is opening his factory up to five lucky people who find a golden ticket in a Wonka bar of chocolate. Great marketing, Cloy, as we see Wonka bars being bought everywhere. Mm. And I really like that little montage of them, you know, armed guards bringing him in. Um, the psychiatrist is talking to someone and someone's like, I had a dream that the arch at Gabriel told me which bar's chocolate. And the guy's like, tell me which bar's chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> what what, what did he say now? <laughs> I always thought that was really, really cool. And my favourite part, part, one of my favourite parts of the film is the guy who creates an AI machine to tell him what it is. He's like, I'm just going to ask him where all the Wonka bars are. Yeah. And he goes like, I won't tell you, that's chocolate. That's cheating. And he's like, I'll share the prize with you. What would a computer do with half, half a lifetime of chocolate? I'm about to tell the computer what I'm about to do. <laughs> that was the very last scene shot. Oh, was in it? the film, yeah. They felt like it needed a little bit more adult humour towards the beginning of oh, the movie. I really did like it. And then you've got the president obviously buying them up, which, you know, a few years ago, probably. You've mm. also in this scene, uh, or around this point as well, when the fifth ticket is taken, which I may be jumping the hurdle mm. a bit, the fifth ticket from the uh, Paraguay uh, mm. individual, that is actually a member of the Nazi party. That's Hitler's personal secretary. Seriously. Who at the time was believed to be in South America. So it's a nod. Is it's that a the joke? joke? Yeah, that, that they'd even um, come out of hiding yeah, for Wonka bar. For Wonka bar, yeah. And still, what's the most horrible thing he's done was when he faked a ticket. But this is the point. Up until this point, although it's set in Germany, they haven't done well for the Germans. Like, because let's be honest. Um, there's, a, there's a serial killer homeless man. Yeah, Slugworth <laughs> looks like part of the Gestapo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and the psychiatrist do don't listen to his patient is clearly Austrian, so he's not, he's not doing well for accents so far. No, no, right. But did you know the first golden ticket is found by Augustus Gloop, a rotund boy who likes to eat his food, does not like sausage as well. And he said that that in later interviews, he was like it was torturous. I don't know Augustus because <laughs> that's an Oscar-winning performance <laughs> of you chowing down on that breakfast, mate. Hey. Hey. Also, I'm a nerd, James. Also, oh, yeah. that scene as well um, that they shot, everyone in that is that it's the film crew on their lunch break and they just quickly got oh, that shot. Cool. So that, that was a more eating. Do you know what I always thought? Do you know what I always thought was missing from the book? I'm trying to remember. I always thought that Charlie should have become friends with Augustus Gloop and he would have asked his questions about, he would have asked him about chocolate. like, Augustus, you love chocolate. Help me create a massive chocolate bar. Mm. I always thought that would have been nice. I always think as well, because he's, he's, he's been parodied in Simpsons. Don't chase me. Perfect. Yeah, Don't chase me, Mr. Homer. I'm full of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Are you ready to get sad again? I am. It's Charlie's birthday and he gets a red scarf and a small chocolate bar. Joe tells him he has a better chance of getting a ticket because he wants it more, but that's not how probability works. <laughs> I think Joe's a cock because he's like, oh, I'm going to build your hopes up. I mean, I haven't gone out of this bed for 20 years, but anything's possible. It's like, shut the fuck up, Joe. Also, the other bit with this is that even as a kid, even as a young kid, I knew that that was a wagon wheel. <laughs> what's a wagon wheel? And, that, and, and I would have been like, look guys, it's my birthday. I don't want a don't, wagon wheel. I don't want a wagon wheel. It's not even a jam one because he rips it open and he tries to give him a bit and there's no jam in there, James. That's the saddest thing. There's no the jamless. There's the jamless. <laughs> no one wants the fucking. No one wants the non-jammy one. 
Oh, oh it's worse, mate. The toffee one that they got nowadays. I guarantee that gets someone writing in saying, how dare you, the toffee wagon wheels this year. I didn't even it's realize. It's not, it's just shit. I didn't realize they even had one. Right, mate. <sighs> Veruca Salt is a massive pain in the hole. Her dad has shut down his factory and everyone is working to get Veruca the second ticket, which she does. I like that scene. I like, I like, I think Veruca Salt and her family are quite possibly fucking MVPs. Obviously, yeah. Gene Wilder's film. It rests on him seeing it. But before he's there, we've got the spectre of Gene Wilder. And Veruca Salt, mate, I think might be the best casting in the world. Mm. Whoever she was, she fucking nailed it. She came straight from my dreams as a child. Veruca Salt, mate, nailed. Mm. And Violet Beauregard. I, I, it's one of these rare films where... The, no, because I hate Mike TV. He's a dick. I didn't mind Mike. I liked all of them. The problem with Mike TV uh, is he delivers his lines way too quick. Yeah. And Gene Wilder even says... Open your mouth a little wider when you speak, <laughs> which I'm pretty certain is ad-libbed. Um, so, Violet is the third child who finds a ticket. Violet is a gum chewer and currently world record holder for chewing said gum. She stopped it, mate, when she found out about Wonka's thing, so she turned to chocolate. Now, I'm just saying that, remember that about her, she's an addict, mm. and her family doesn't help. I'm just saying. <laughs> the fourth golden ticket is Mike TV, a dickhead. <laughs> That's what I've got. I really didn't like Mike TV. Also... I like to think that if you made this now, and this is why I like the character in my head, if you made it now, he'd be obsessed with like TikTok and stuff like that. And I would actually quite enjoy that. He would be, yeah, he would be an influencer. He'd be an influencer. A fifth man lies about finding a ticket. While this is all happening, Charlie finds some money on the floor. And instead of handing it in, he goes to the shop from the beginning of the film. And this time he gets charged. (laughs) What a dick. Candyman's like, lace this palm, mate. (laughs) He begins to smother that chocolate down. He's got change, mate. It's time for another bar, which he's going to buy for fucking benefits, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Joe gets everything handed to him in this film. Cabbage water. <laughs> he's, fucking... he's fucking boiled denim. Yeah. He gets everything he wants. That morning he was like, you better bring home a fucking loaf, Charlie. <laughs> You're on the floor. <laughs> I'll fucking stab you. <laughs> on his way out, he begins to open the chocolate. <gasps> End of gold. <gasps> He nearly gets all interested in that. <laughs> but I like that because that's realistic. Yeah. But I love the fact that he starts off, he's quite happy, he's smiling, he's got his hand in the end, he's getting crowded. And all these, and I remember this definite Karen who's like, show it here. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see it. So he that, runs. That, that one hero's like, run home, Charlie. Yeah, run Don't home. Don't stop for no one. So he runs all the way home. It does do, a, actually, no, it does do a really good job of setting up that the world is invested. Oh, no, I'm not joking. I genuinely I, like I that. I really like that, that idea. And then someone so close to home wins it. Yeah, I like. I did like the fact that I genuinely thought he was about to get lynched. Mm. I, I thought that was realistic and true because I've seen this world. It just gets ripped apart. Um, he's interrupted by a gentleman who we saw speaking to the other ticket holders. He asked Charlie to bring home an everlasting gobstopper. So already... The, just the, this is the craft of Roald Dahl in some of the words that he created. So, um, you know, the, the Wonka, but Willy Wonka itself, and I know mm. it's alliteration or whatever it is, or on a mop here. I don't know. Just... Yeah. The everlasting gobstopper. These are, these are just timeless phrases and names that he gives to characters and to like the chocolate and the instruments in these, these things that just make it so memorable. You know, you're right. You could say Scrum to the Umptious Bar or whatever, Everlasting Gobstopper. And straight away, you're transported back to this movie Mm. and to this, the source material. And I also like the look of the chocolate bars. I know it sounds really weird. I never understood why, I know they did, but why wasn't that design? You know, I would have done that. Just stolen that straight up that idea. Play on that nostalgia. I think Quakers did at the time. They heavily financed the movie to release a range of bars afterwards. (laughs) Wagon wheels. Yeah, wagon. <laughs> but just... like now some retro bars do try and look a bit like the Wonka bars, don't they? And the, the Wonka bars that came out for a while, 
But yeah, yeah. Now that Charlie has a ticket, Grandpa Joe is ready to dance and sing and walk for the first time in 20 years. Benefits sheet, then I go in brackets, Aaron Rant. (laughs) 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 Mate, don't get me started. Um, I like his song. I genuinely, I think he's one of the most uplifting songs, but essentially he's not walked for 20 years. Mm. His his mum, sorry, his daughter, literally at one point is talking about, it's like, oh, can we... Can you, you can't help run the house. It's like, oh, I can't move. It's been 20 years. Fuck me. Free chocolate. That fuckers up, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, by that point, like the bed sores would be crazy. I know. Gangrene setting. I like to think he was, he was just like, it's not not fucking cabbage. Just get out. I'll fucking crawl out of Munich. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, um, Jack Alberson, he comes from a uh, musical theatre background. This, this bit really is the, is the shining point for him, isn't he? When he's singing around the the bedpost, Kind of the, the also the playful dancing as well with Charlie mm. um, in these scenes. It is it is quite good. You get that grandfather grandson relationship under his. Belt. I would like to point out that we're taking the piss out of Grandpa Joe, but Grandpa Joe is a brilliant grandpa. He just he's up for shenanigans. He's up for shit. He's like, yeah, let's yeah. do it. He's and in-, in the book as well, the dad isn't dead. He hasn't passed away. He's he's away working at the toothpaste factory. Yes. So in this, they kind of Charlie hasn't got that fatherly figure, which is what Willy Wonka is, is in the mm. mechanics of the movie. Um, but up until this point, Grandpa Joe is the one holding his hand. But yeah, it is. It's one of the. It's, it is one of the best songs in it. I think um, the Candyman song was actually picked up, wasn't it? And that actually became a big record. Yeah. Um, whereas this one, yeah, it's, I think I put this in the top two. I didn't mention it earlier, but but Charlie's mum has a song about you know basically like watching denim. Book your ideas of Charlie gets worse than this, <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's a very depressing song. She's just like, yeah, yeah, after school it's all downhill from here. So, but I like pop the top two right now. It's the day of the tour. Mm. Ooh, everyone's excited. Everyone's happy. Everyone, it's like carnival atmosphere. It's like it's like fucking Buzz Aldrin and the other ones. I've just I love the fact he's the second man on the earth, but he's the only one I can remember. Fucking Buzz Aldrin. They come down, you know, everyone's having fun, mate. He's smashing it. He's, he's, oh my god, it's gonna be wicked. Well, the one opens the door. Mm. It's a frail man, tired, walks with a stick, he's grumpy. The crowd immediately deflate. As he shuffles along to the gate, everyone's forlorn, sad. Then he does a motherfucking roly poly, and the crowd go. Fucking mental. Yeah, <laughs> I've like, never seen a rolling poly before. Um, yeah, you did it on purpose, didn't you? It's one of your, your, your favourite facts to say. He's like Gene Wilder purposely kept himself. This is the first time anyone's seen him and he wanted them to basically surprise him. Yeah, yeah. Wanted for, he wanted, uh, there's a route, there's, you know what all uh, film history and trivia is about, but there, there, so, so the story goes is that he took the role with, that that was how he was going to make his entrance because he wanted the audience and the kids to always not know if he was being serious, playing, lying, telling the truth. And it's that's about the mystery of the character. Do you know that I, I, I don't say this as a negative, but he goes so extra in what is essentially a child's book character. Mm. And I, I've always respected that and appreciated that because he brought a lot of the stuff to Wonka alive. Well, I will tell you also as well, uh, a fascinating fact about Gene Wilder is when he was developing Alzheimer's mm. and, he, and he started to uh, remove himself from the spotlight and go out, is because he, he didn't want... Um, new audiences that were discovering Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory to then see him and not see that character in his full form and, mm. um, you know, and live up to the magic of the character. So he actually withdrew from the public eye when he started getting Alzheimer's because he didn't want to tarnish a character that he had played like 40, 40 years <laughs> before that. And that's how important that character is. That's sad, but at the same time. But it's also really like romantic as well mm. as being an actor, you know. Um 
But yeah, this this seems well. This is the first time when the five kids met each other as well. So Charlie, uh, the the character Charlie, but played by Peter Ostrom, he'd been on set. They'd done all the winning the golden ticket stuff um, first with Charlie, but this is the first day that all of them kids met each other. So they hadn't really kind of bonded mm-hmm. yet. So their reactions were all genuine. Um, yeah, I thought it was really cool. That's really cool. Um, so they make their way inside where the children sign a contract and enter a small room and the corridor they get smaller. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we're instantly uh, in the factory and we know that things aren't right. The, basically the first three things they do are there's a sign, there's a contract that gets smaller and smaller as it goes down the wall and basically he makes them sign against their parents' wishes. Brilliant Veruca Salt moment is that I want to go in. She starts signing. She's the first it's all fantastic, isn't it? Like the idea that they go into a room as well that they can't get out of because it's all painted the same, this matte like kind of paint. Then they go out the way they came in, but it's a different room, but the mm. corridor keeps getting smaller to a door, a double door that's at the end that they can barely get to. All of this is fantastical and brilliant. Mm. Just showing you that this there's something, there's something not right about this factory. Yeah. <laughs> it's that, not like a reception that you've designed and you get shown where the fire exits are. I like the co-hooks as well, which are the human hands that spray painted gold. I forgot about so that. So they're, yeah. the, they're the carpenters on set um, that they asked to just spray their hands and stick through the wall. And I like that what's really sweet about that scene is you've got all the, it's when Grandpa Joe walks away, you don't realise that his hat's been taken. Yeah. Like, I thought that scene was really good. Like, it still <laughs> makes me laugh now. I like this, this amusement, like fantasy uh, horror maze kind of style of entering the, uh, I mean, it's extra. It's it is extra. so extra. <laughs> Eventually the group enter the chocolate room, a room of pure, pure imagination. imagination. We meet the Oompa Loompas, the slave labour that Wonka has replaced his workforce with. And he promised them, you know what, I saved your life, so now you have to come work for me for free in this factory and you're never allowed outside. And he's, yeah. convi- and he's convinced them that they've got the good end of the deal. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's a fucking genius. And let's be honest, this entire room is, I think, I think if you're going to look at something from a now and then perspective, this is probably the bit that doesn't age as well because everything's supposed to be edible. And because they don't use CGI, they use practical effects and some of them look a bit hokey. But do you know what? Screw you. It's my childhood you're messing with here. It gets a pass. I think it's fine. The idea of mushrooms, like the white bits being little dips that people are eating, um, like the flowers. I, do you know what? I think they got, I think they did quite well with their props here. They look mm. a bit cheap now, but fucking hell, it's 40 years, it's 50 years later. You know, I've given them a pass. If you've got a problem with that, I'm, I'm sorry. Please yeah. excuse me. And probably Pure Imagination is the big song from it's this. It's my song. I mean, the, uh, the Mel Stewart's autobiography, I think, was called Pure Imagination. When um, when you see this, when he starts singing the song, he's walking down and says, well, this is this is a brilliant bit between Veruca and Violet. They're, I never saw this as a kid. They're vying to get out first. Yeah. And that's why Willy Wonka's like hitting him with the stick. It's like they're biting each other, desperate to be the first one to be let loose in the room. And I, I love that. It just adds extra less to a film that I, was, I thought I knew everything mm. about this film. Apparently they all got, did get hit as well for different takes. <laughs> so they had to keep redoing it because it is within an inch that he's nearly swiping them, isn't it? Yeah. As he's trying to hold them back until he kind of bows and lets them go in. I felt like at one point he does hit my TV because I was like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> take the cane, son. Yeah, take good. it. I, I like all this bit as well. The Pure Imagination song, I think, sticks really well. And this is, again, feeding that childhood. I remember conversations about this with my brother and sisters being young, being like, what would you run to? Like the gummy bear sweet, yes. you know, or the daffodil teacup, or, Fucking, you know, what would it be? Uh, I'd probably like, I'd, I'd Augustus it, mate. I'd go straight in there. I, but the thing is, I wouldn't stay on the Eat. edge. I'd be like, cannonball. I tell you what, <laughs> Augustus dips his hand in the chocolate river a bit too quick. <laughs> Because you don't know what's gone in there, do you? You don't know if you're downstream with someone else. I love the fact that there's no guarantee that that's chocolate. (laughs) It's just like, I'll I'll chance it. Apparently it fucking stunk as well. Because they they said that they did- brown water, isn't it? No, they did pour additives in it and they did try and do all like the chocolate and the cream and all that kind of stuff. And because there was so long filming and it was hot in Munich, 
Apparently, by the it just stunk that whole factory did, yeah, or that oh, whole set. Jesus, that sounds horrific. But also the uh, more trivia, the the cup that Jim Wilder eats is is actually wax. So he had to <sighs> chew until they said cut and spit it out because it's not it wasn't edible. Oh, hey, you know Augustus Clue, speaking of which, he falls into the chocolate river and gets sucked up by a tube. Dirty bastard, I tell you, he was, ga- he was gagging for it. Wonka just doesn't give a toss. I know. <laughs> and I do realize, oh no, help. Help, police, murder. <laughs> such a dick move. But he does do. this throughout the whole film. Yeah. He does this throughout the whole film, which is brilliant. Like that just doesn't sense the 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 rush or the chaoticness. And, you know, for every part, um, you know, welcoming, he's also not acclimatized to human contact. You know, he's been around Oompa Loompas for so long. It is, it is really, really good. He's like, what the fuck are we going to do about it? And it like, he's like, well, you know, he's, he's probably stuck somewhere, isn't he? It's all right. You know, let's move on. Um, there is a weird bit here where, where they see Augustus in the pipe and then, and then Grandpa Joe is explaining to Charlie what's going to happen. And he says to him, do you remember when you asked me how a gun gets fired from? I remember thinking, fucking hell, Charlie, what have you been asking your yeah. granddad? Because I don't remember asking that yeah. question at any age. Sh- <laughs> champagne and a cork would have done yeah, it, granddad. Just, you know like, I mean? oh, do you remember when you told me, <laughs> later on, he's like, do you remember when you asked me how you got human? <laughs> this is how you do it. It's like, all right, granddad, calm down. Um, the Oompa Lumpers rub it in a bit by singing a song that fat shakes the boy. <laughs> I think they're my go-to songs. You know, what I think, do you get when you Cause are down sweets eating as much as an elephant eats. <laughs> I don't like the look of it. Oompa. <laughs> trivia, umpa lumpa trivia for you, mate. Ten umpa lumpers made it look like a thousand. They did, they did. That's well played. Nine men, one woman. Yeah. They're also, because they're all German speaking, they're lip syncing. That's why it looks a bit odd. Because <laughs> that's it, why it looks it, odd. Because <laughs> they're fucking orange between there. It's because they're lip syncing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they, English isn't their first language. Fair so, enough. but apparently, there's they, they, a lot of the people on set said they were fucking animals, like just partying <laughs> and drinking all the time. As if you were probably them, turning yeah. up in limos and all sorts of shit, like fucking rock stars. Um, basically, so they sing this song as well whilst they're adding sugar and uh, cream to the river. So hypocrites. <laughs> <laughs> but they are they are the four four breaks, aren't they? They are throughout yeah. the whole movie. They kind of chapter up the demise of each character. I'm not, I'm not going to mention it. I'll mention it now. But my favourite bit is when uh, Violet turns into a massive Violet uh, a blueberry. Blueberry is when they start moving around the around the street unnecessarily because they go out the door that they came in. <laughs> so it just means that they've moved this poor girl around for no real reason. <laughs> Bunch of dickheads. <clears throat> the gang take a boat next, which takes a weird turn. <laughs> Wonka becomes increasingly unhinged, screaming as unpleasant flashing images show across the boat. Mm. It terrifies me to my core to this day, especially the rhyme he does, which originally I was going to write down, but no. Oh my God, we're turning. It's really, Mm. yeah, it's it's a thing. So I, I, growing up, and it's another cancel culture, and I think rightfully, because by all sounds of it and accounts of it, the man is a nasty piece of work. But Marilyn Manson, uh, his album... Portrait of an American Family mm-hmm. starts with this song, with him doing it, and it gets yeah. more and more chaotic and metal, and the guitars kick in. And I must admit, because it, it it's just like, and he's proper screwing, like you know, by the end of it, and then it just ends with that "Stop the Boat," and yeah. it kicks into the first it song of like- the album. <clears throat> and it was a great uh, intro to an album, James. I'm not going to lie. Was it a great point midway through the film? It is odd, isn't it, that this is a kid's film and you see a chicken beheaded, you see yes. the centipede thing, and it doesn't, I don't know what it gives you in terms of getting you from pl- plot device A to B in that sequence. Like This is the part where I realised I was middle-aged because I uh, Violet's father does nothing but complain and he's like, get me off this. 
get me off this. And when they were on the boat, he's like, get me off this. I was like, yeah, because he's listened to you so far. Mm. You've been in two fucking rooms. Just shut up. Get in the water. See what that did to Augustus. <laughs> right? All that happens, you get sucked up a tube and the Umbalumbas are singing another song. <laughs> About you being an arsehole. Yeah, there's all, this is the infamous bit. This is the scene that scared all the kids on the day, you know, because... G Wilder just went for it and went proper crazy by the end of it. It, it as a kid, it baffled me. It still baffles me now. <laughs> I do not know why the scene is in this. Very soon, it's not in the book, is it? It's just there. With it, it deviates a lot, and this is a talking point that you know, purists of the, of the literature in Roald Dahl himself. There's, the, there's two accounts. One is that when Roald Dahl was on set, he was very appreciative and and a complimentary, and then apparently afterwards he wasn't, and he disowned it. And he certainly didn't give the studio the rights to the glass, the great glass elevator. There are accounts of him it being on TV and him turning it off and, you know, things like this. But apparently him on set was it's very polite. Really. And it could be that, so originally he was adapting the screenplay until it, he didn't meet a deadline. So then they brought in writers and he started changing things, taking out scenes, adding new parts of narratives, like taking Charlie's dad out of it so mm. that the audience would see Willy Wonka as the father figure. Um, I guess, I guess they are not, are not like slagging, you know, Roald Dahl off, but I guess they'd understand that more because they're coming from that sort of thing. It's like, we don't have enough time to build up your story. We don't have like, you know, unlimited book, you know, we've got an hour and a half to tell you this. And I think that's a really good choice to take out the father. Yeah, I, I do. And it works, it works better in a film because if not, you just be like, where is the dad? Why is it? Cause, cause I think in the Tim Burton one, they, is it the, Toothpaste factory because you see the toothpaste factory. Scene. You do because it was. It, I mentioned it in one of my episodes. He's like, he's making. They call it Semtex because that technically makes him walk criminal. Yes, <laughs> that's go. right. Yeah. Um, next, we get to the ideas room, and this is my favorite room where we finally come across the everlasting gobstopper, and all the kids get a sample as long as they promise not to give them to anyone else. Uh, meanwhile, as well, you see him uh, adding shoes to the to the sweets to give it a bit of a kick. kick. I love that. Or when he puts a coat in there, it's like. It's too cold. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I do I do ah. like I do like this as well. And um when is it uh Veruca's like, I didn't get one. He's like, you yeah. did. It's like uh, hustle game's not great. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the guy just literally gave you one. It's like, <laughs> like she got two. It's like, no, it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> also, what's she gonna do with two? They're everlasting ghosts. She wants one, she wants to sell the other one. <gasps> well, she doesn't want to sell it, she wants to give it. Mate, to, I never uh, even thought about that. I just thought she was a bit rude. Mate, game changer. In the corner of the room is a machine that will still change the world of chewing gum as we know it. Enter Violet. Compulsive chewer, mate. I'm on her side. I don't think it's her fault. She's told you she's got an addiction mm. that you were able to curb for like three weeks while she did Wonka Bars and you can stick chewing gum in front of her face. Well, you could say that about Augustus by this point well, as well. I'm on like, Augustus' side. I'm not going to lie. That, that lad, it's not like he's not seeing the chocolate bar. I'm not going to be lying. I'm on Augustus' side though because I don't think it's very fair. I think if Augustus- mate, he was lapping up the chocolate river. He deserved everything he got. He was told everything in that room was edible. If you and I were going to William Wonka's chocolate factory and we were going to that room and he said everything's, everything's edible, I would be like, I'm going to prove you wrong. No, yeah, I would. And do you know what I'll do? I'll go straight for his calf, mate. I'll, t- I'll take a chunk out of Wonka. I'd like to point out, I bet that tastes minty. I like mint chocolate. He'd be like, I think you're right. He'd be like, Screw you. It would be like a mint, what what them, what them mint cakes? Yeah. It's just dense sugar. Oh, yes. That's what Wonka would taste like. Cannibalism. I knew I'd get it in this episode. Bannisters. I reckon they're not banisters. I've seen them. They're there. You can't make you can't make like sugar banisters. They just evaporate. There is a, there is a point that makes me think if I was in that room, then, then he's like, everything's edible. The first thing I'd buy, Wonka would just go, Well, not that, obviously. <laughs> Idiot. Fucking I would I would be like, right, light bulbs. Yeah. Because how are you gonna make fucking electric sweets, dickhead? Yeah. He's like, not the door. We just come in that. You just you touched it, it's wood. Oh. Yeah. 
I would have gone for the grass or so. I would have gone for the floor. I would have eaten my way out of there. Down. <laughs> yeah, down. It can't all be there. There's got to be some sort of encasing tube. The tube that sucks up the chocolate, but I'm not having you then. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not against Augustus in, in you know. He had it coming, mate. He does. Yeah, I swear to God, if there's all that, all that there, you're in the Garden of Eden of sweets, mate, and your instinct is to start lapping up the chocolate river, you need to see help. <laughs> You do like you, you survival of the fittest, mate. Augustus was never getting around round one. But, if but, this was Squid Games, mate. He's gone. But weirdly, as well, he's the most logical because because a strange person who you don't know if he's good or bad. You know, he's just on a roly poly, which has convinced everyone he's fine. Yeah. But he's a bit unhinged. And this is before the boat. He everybody's told everything's edible. He's like, well, the chocolate river clearly, or the mushroom was like, I'll, I'll go to the chocolate. <laughs> yeah. I, know, I know where I am with the chocolate river, so I'm not completely <laughs> against Augustus, mate. I know. I, I, I bet Augustus is tripping balls. It's <laughs> <laughs> all that sausage, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got like the equivalent of fucking rabies. It's just like feral. I mean, like, also... I'm not pulling it past one of them umpa lumpers taking a little <laughs> to take a little dumper dumper. Fucking hell! Just keep, just keep. <laughs> Is coming. <laughs> the health inspector comes in and he goes, oh. and he goes what's that? He goes, well, everything's edible. <laughs> everything's edible. <laughs> I've had a bit of that. Oh, there's the bar anyway. It's, uh, it's all the way down there. <laughs> and the Violet, she steals the gum, which is a three-course meal. She eats it. It's very good. It's everything you'd expect. What I love about this, I don't know if you notice this, the dad asks, what's for dessert, honey? And she says... Hold on, they're bringing it in. I was like, what does that taste like? <laughs> That's that gap. It's like, what, what's going on here? It's a blueberry pie. However, this is where all the testing's gone wrong. It turns out she's turning into a giant blueberry. And this is where mm. they sing a song and roll it unnecessarily around a room. And then, and then this is where she gets sent to the juicing room. Mm. And in my head, Grandpa Joe turns to Charlie and goes, do you remember when you asked me about squeezing a toad to death? <laughs> so, oh. This is also, this this seems most reminiscent of my favourite role doll, and that is, of course, James and Giant Peach. Yeah, that's a, that's a cracker. Fucking hell. Sorry. In another room, Joe really goes above and beyond as he and Charlie start drinking a soda left out, which makes them float in the air. What I don't understand is, You've just had a lesson in this. Don't fucking eat shit. <laughs> Ironically, don't eat anything. <laughs> I can't, I, I just watched this this week, but I did mean to refresh my knowledge because obviously this later comes back to bite Joe and yeah. Charlie. Are they told expressly don't drink the fizzy no. lifting drink? No, they're just, they, they're at the back and then they decide, oh, do you, 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 you see what happened to Violet? Yeah, that was fine. Yeah, drink this. Yeah. <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> Joe's like, fill your boots. After this, I'm back in bed. <laughs> it's like, I am fucked, mate. <laughs> Although to be fair, no drinks on the tour so far. So maybe that's what it maybe was. Maybe light refreshment. Um, I, I like the idea though of the uh, the flavor changing bubblegum. Like that is such again yeah. to talk about the uh, source material. That that is a genius idea, you know, of a bubblegum that changes taste over time for a free course meal. That is brilliant. No, no, I think that's that's a cracker. It's mm. still to this day 
I was like, I was sure it was, what does it taste like? I don't know. <laughs> what does that? Anyway. Also, the everlasting gobs, gobstopper. Mm. Um, not a conventional shape gobstopper. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, and to think different. that that is going to be in your mouth forever. Like, obviously, when you choose to have it in there. Mm. Not the most comfortable thing to be putting in your mouth. No, that's true. Also, do you think it even works? Or is it a red herring? Because obviously, spoilers at the end. Yeah, I, I don't think it does. It. Um, also, the girl that played Violet stole her one off set. Nice. And apparently she donated it to a sweet shop in her hometown years oh. later. She just stole the golden ticket that she got. Oh, well, I would. Well, yeah, you the, would, the, would The you? golden ticket's well, yours. You should have got them, wouldn't you? You should have got them. Should have been like a gift for the five kids. What I really hope is that, you know, like Nestle actually do that and mm. five of the most bored kids come out at the end. <laughs> just like, oh, it was, this was just a factory. Yeah, it's great. It's just <laughs> shitting in the chocolate. <sighs> right. And they, basically they're going to get chopped up by a big fan. Only belching can bring them down. I'll be honest, I'm not a fan of belching. Mm. I, I, that always bits. That's a bit to me that's like, yeah, great. I'm watching an old man and a young child thing, belch, you know, isn't it? It? Kids find belch is funny, don't they? Apparently. I don't know. Mm. In the next room, Veruca wants a golden goose. Cracking scene. And sings my favourite song. I This is my favourite song in the film. Absolutely fantastic. She does a great scene where she's basically, I want it all. She's throwing stuff. The cuts really work. So she's running to the camera. Then you see Gene Wilder getting covered in this like toffee paper. It's absolutely fantastic. I, I do, I must admit, Veruca Salt came alive on the screen. She came, She literally jumped from the page onto the big screen. And she was phenomenal. 39 takes to do this number and apparently the 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 scene that made it in the film uh, Gene Wilder kind of having his head in his hands is because of how bored he was on set it because it took arse, 30, it? Well, they had to keep rebuilding the big because um, she pushes ah, a trolley through trolley, yeah, yeah. so they had to reset the scene every time yeah, I don't think it was any one person's fault I think it was just so getting Gene Wilder the, was like will you please shut the fuck yeah there, there is he has got like his head, and his, head, his head in his hand kind of like looking a bit frustrated and bored and I think that kind of translates Oliver might as well at the peak of a song she stands on a garbage chute where she's told that she's a bad egg she is a bad egg mate uh, also them big geese they're big geese mate <laughs> who's cleaning that up I mean they're arseholes <laughs> just saying but what I really like about it is is, is the calm conversation her dad now has with Willy Wonka he's like oh what's How much? garbage oh, oh yeah, yeah. it's like oh yeah where does that lead it's all oh, the incinerator <laughs> like they're both very calm about it until the moment where Veruca Salt's dad realises and he jumps down there. Guess what? He's also a bad egg. Yeah. Would have been so much better if he was a good egg and then you just heard her screams. <laughs> <laughs> just like, ah! It's like, done, done you a favour. Or he pushed the, the trap door down and you just saw the flames licking up. He's <laughs> <laughs> fucking died. Yeah. Died, didn't it? Yeah, I do like that bit just, where he's just like nonchalant. He's like, well, she's got a fighting chance. <laughs> they only turned that instead of her on every other day. <laughs> And then, then Charlie and Joe are like, "Yeah, good point. Yeah, there's a good, good, good odds that." Or, or you hear when the shoot opens, you just hear Augustus going, "Oh, thank you, someone saved me." I, I tell you, man, I, I said I've made the joke a minute ago, but I'm saying it again. This is the original Squid Games. It is the original Squid Games. Um, basically, they take a car ride where everything gets covered in foam. I don't get this bit. This is the bit that takes me out. They take the they take the car. It doesn't go anywhere. The Wonka mobile that fires out. Uh, the foam from fire extinguishers, which yeah. gave all the actors allergic reaction and inflammation, so they had to stop filming for a few days. Jesus Christ! I love the fact. I, I love the seventies, mate. They couldn't give a flying monkey. Oh yeah, well, these they? these kids by now have been. You know, they've, they've had the foam thrown on them. <laughs> Augustus is somewhere in the tube. They've all been hit by the cane. Fairly certain Veruca's is dead. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I I quite like this scene. Just again, purely for Gene Wilder's reactions as he's because again, this is the thing throughout the movie. Gene Wilder speaks Italian, German, English, and French, Latin. He quotes literature, Shakespeare. A lot of his reactions are from, um, oh, I've forgotten it now. 
it will come back to me. A lot of his, uh, it, it, what appears is kind of like ad-libs or quir- like quirky remarks are mm. actually from other movies and other, other plays. Gene Wilder's next level, mate. Yeah, yeah. And I like this bit where he's kind of driving the, the mobile and the phone's kind of going on him and he's just singing. <laughs> I think he's a Little Sunshine or whatever he's singing. I can't remember. But I, look, I like the fact they don't go that far. Mm. I, I do like that. Now, after a car ride where everyone gets covered in white foam, they come across a room where Wonka can transport chocolate to a TV set, which is mental because the man just discovered teleportation. The world we know is truly going to be different, but shy surprise, Mike TV gets himself transported and becomes very small. <sighs> I fucking hate Mike TV. I would have really liked him to be drop kicked out of this film. <laughs> um, during the song, an umpa does the biggest fuck you can't with I've ever seen. <laughs> Doesn't care. <laughs> did, you, did you see the comment? Yeah. About? His legs barely move. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't name. think he, he didn't get the job though luckily on his cartwheel abilities <laughs> what I love about it is they made Veruca Salt do that like scene 35 times this, this, this employment doesn't want to say fuck that'll it. do <laughs> he's probably pissed <laughs> he probably was um, the tour is over and Wonka is kind of rude Charlie's not getting any chocolate because he broke the contract he signed at the beginning of the film when he took partaked in drinking some stuff they shouldn't have taken uh, because they've, that machine now needs to get sterilized because they've touched it with human hands. He's broken the contract. They follow him into his office where everything is halved. Joe tells him that Slughorn will get his gobstopper, but Charlie, not being like his benefit dodging grandpa, <laughs> gives back the gobstopper and unlocks the cheat code for Willy Wonka. He is buzzing, finding someone worthy enough for the prize. It's time to get the great glass Wonka Vader and smash through that glass ceiling. Fucking smash out of this movie. So... The the end scene as well. I love the half room. I, everything in that room being half. I do because it, it because if you hadn't done anything, if Wonka was just nice, right, it wouldn't make any sense. But he's literally a kind of like bipolar maniac, mm. and it does work. Yeah, and it was again they didn't want the movie ending in a in a kind of office setting. They wanted it still to have its quirk and charm. And just I think literally on set, the story goes that one person was just like, well, let's just cut everything off. So they literally just fucking started sawing shit. That's amazing. Um, I, I yeah I love this scene. I love the the how mental Gene Wilder goes in the scene. You get nothing. Good day, sir. Like all that stuff is just brilliant. Gene Wilder performance and and also um, you know I think Peter Ostrom as well said later on down the line he was upset. Like he felt like Gene Wilder was telling him off. And I think oh, Jack, that's fucking heartbreaking. Yeah, and I think Jack Albertson, the Grandpa Joe in the scene is really good as well. It's kind mm. of like how like he's the parental figure. But, he, you know, he knows they've done wrong, so he can't really stop. You know, he can't be like, look, listen, pal, listen, now you're yeah. talking to so-and-so. Cause, you listen know. here, pal. <laughs> yeah. After I go here, I'm going back to bed. <laughs> and then God revealed that Slugworth worked for him the whole time. Oh, yeah, I didn't even mention that, did I? So <laughs> the, the, um, the, 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 the writers in this, and this was one of the things that separated the literature to the movie, is that originally Slugworth, in this scene, you were supposed to see that the writers were going to say that the five were not randomly selected, that they were chosen. Mm. So uh, you were supposed to, in this scene when it revealed, see a flashback of the reason why Slugworth is where every winner is, is because he was planting the tickets for those winners, which would be the mystery of, well, why was he in Germany and why was he then in America and why was he, you know, inches away from every ticket winner? What I love about Willy Wonka is that, you know, he picked four children to purposely torture them. (laughs) He's like, Charlie's going to win it. Fuck these other four. (laughs) To death, mate. I think the, the the although although the whole movie shines and you know there's <clears throat> numerous scenes, music and um, you know pop culture moments without it. I think the shining star of the movie is Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka. I mm. think 
as we talked about, the, the English, German, French, Italian, Latin dialect is, is an achievement. I love the bizarre and the eccentric side of him, the calm and the erratic, the mysterious, the bonkers, the mad, the fatherly figure, but also very childlike Yes, in his reactions in the fact that, you know, he doesn't have anyone to say no or to give him rules. And he doesn't understand, you know, the you know, how other humans operate in compassion and that kind of stuff. He's very isolated. I, he's a fascinating character. And I think, I think Gene Wilder portrayed him brilliantly. I think if we were on the hunt for the greatest characters in cinema history, a strong contender is Willy Wonka, yeah. uh, Gene Wilder's performance in it. Yeah. A, a literal, a literary hero that was just as amazing on the big screen as he was on a small page. Gene Wilder brought something different as well. Mm. Brought like this kind of stoic, kind of like unhinged quality to a great character that worked. Weirdly, in this comic, in this um, children's family, and his innate happiness at the end as well. It's like I've always wanted to press this button. It's like this childlike quality that brings you in, and he was the hero you all kind of wanted him to be. Mm. And it's like the film is like it goes. Willy Wonka's portrayal in this is antithesis of what we'd expect. You know, he should be kind, he should be loving, but he's kind of an arsehole. But at the end, he's <clears throat> the hero that we needed. Yeah, and it is weird how the baton changes from you focusing on Charlie to then realising actually the movie was more towards Wonka, you know, as, as the isolated figure who needs, who wanted a family himself as well, wanted someone to inherit his his fortune, you know. And, and um, that was, I think, another reading around it, another issue that Roald Dahl had is because changing the title of the film from Charlie and Chocolate Factory to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory was, again, taking the emphasis off Charlie and putting it on Gene Wilder. But Peter Sellers uh, was uh, begging for the role, was crying out for the role, really wanted to take it. Maybe. John Pertwee had it, but then turned it down because it clashed with Doctor Who filming. All six of the Monty Python went for it. None of them oh, got it. I don't think that would have worked. I, oh, no, maybe it would have worked. I would have liked um, Eric Idle, actually. He would have been Out of all of them, Eric yeah. Idle's the one, isn't he, that you think would probably pull it off. I like Palin. Palin was always my favourite, but oh, Idle's... Palin's my favourite. Idle, Idle's probably the best, best fit for it. Yeah, um, this podcast, we try and find the greatest movies of all time. If we do, we put them in the vault. Charlie and Chocolate Factory, Willy Wonka and Chocolate Factory. Vault. I put it in the vault, yeah. Easily Yeah, let's put it in. It is a great, great movie. That is that done, ladies and gentlemen. Now, do you want to do a quiz or do you want to do Unsung Heroes? Um, what do you fancy? What do you feel like you're in the mood for? You've got a 30-question quiz. <sighs> no, do, do you worry? I just spoke a lot. Yeah, do that. Do you want to do that? <laughs> we'll do your thing. Yeah. So what we were going to do is, because we joked about this quite a few times, and we thought it might be a good talking point for this show, um, is unsung heroes in movies. So one of the key things we get, keep going back to time and time again is who who cleaned the Enterprise? Because fuck me, they, do, it. they do a good job. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, you know, so it's, it's unsung heroes. People that, if you're going to abide by um, the the cinematic universes that we are led to believe in, um, there must be day-to-day champions that go unsung. So yeah, who cleans the Enterprise? We also talk about who cleans up New York after the Avengers come in shit yep. all over it. I, there's so many good stories you could have in that. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And I know that Michael Keaton's character did that somewhat with a Vulture character in the Spider-Man movie, but I'm talking about the day-to-day grafters. I'm talking about, talking about like the specifics of yeah. like, like Chitari shit. <laughs> yeah. like, like genuine like, you know, that. I'm talk, talking about the woman who's just cleaned the windows, you know, or, or the gentleman who's just cleaned his windows and then Spider-Man's webbed all over yeah, him. Yeah, the dick. Is that biodegradable? Does it wash off itself when there's been a hard rain? No, I doubt it, it James. Mm. Um, who who sets the rent rates of Gotham City? You know, who who is that person? Who works in the HR department at, at Gotham? These are all the kind of questions I want to know. These are the unsung heroes. Who ran the canteen in uh, in the Death Star? That's a fucking question <laughs> because that's a tall order. There's a lot of hungry mouths to feed. Order. How do you come up with the specials? That's the... The Monday special on the Death Star. <laughs> do you want a good point? I actually never thought of that. 
who does the housekeeping at the Overlook Hotel when it's open? Which I've also I've always had a problem with the Overlook Hotel that it's mm. shut for as long as it is because that is that screams to me snowcation, like people skiing. You know, winter holidays, and it's like oh fuck it, bit of snow, I'm gonna have to close. I know it's a lot of snow, but hotels thrive on that, don't they? People yeah, being people, locked in their building. People, they, I don't understand what they thought people were gonna do. You close it? They close it for six months as well, don't they? It's something like this. It's five months, I think it is. That's it's ridiculous. Oh, they start a business where we're not open. For nearly half a year. Yeah, can you can you do this, please? Great business model. Um, when uh, King Kong needs a wreck to the Gazam, who's going in? Number three on my list of top three <laughs> was um, the doctor who has to give the Hulk, the Hulk's proctologist. Yeah. <laughs> Talking of which, who cleans up Godzilla's turds? Because he's not wearing a nappy, James. He's not wearing a nappy. What about the referee and the karate kid? Because kicks to the face are illegal, but in the championship fight, he yeah. allows that kick to the face. Yes, <laughs> fucking does. I look, that's a pop point. Oh, here in, in Cobra Kai. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Oh, he's like you won't be an illegal kick. He's done some hero. All of NASA. Oh yeah. For allowing, oh, here we go. <laughs> allowing yeah. drillers to go off into space because it's quicker to drill. Uh, it's quicker to teach drillers to be astronauts than it is astronauts to be drillers. I think NASA were the real heroes of that movie. I'm going. Yeah, yeah. Just, I've just changed my, my one of my three. What about the Imperial Troopers of the Empire that when looking for Luke Skywalker chose to completely ignore the home planet of Vader yeah. and anyone with the surname Skywalker? Yeah. <laughs> I never really understood that. And, I, no. and I, someone told me, someone told me, and they genuinely told me this. I don't know why I said that three times. He said, oh, the new Obi-Wan will um, clarify that. And I was like, so that strikes me as something a Disney would do. It's like they did it with Rogue One, create an entire series to answer one question. <laughs> they, they, they probably will. I, I've got two two inklings what are going to happen with either the Obi Wan series or the Ahsoka series mm. because um, Christensen, I forgot his name now, is coming back to reprise the role of yeah, yeah to reprise the role of you know. I think they're either going to undo the killing of the youngling scene, yeah, you've they will do before, a flashback yeah. where he didn't kill him and and, and the and troopers went in and killed them because how does he become a force ghost at the end of um return of the jedi because he saved his son yeah, no, yeah but he's, he's not like that it's not like oh i'm gonna die quickly uh i'm sorry <laughs> he's like oh yeah that makes it all all right all the kids just laid fine and i know that's a big problem with his, so i think they're going to undo that i think they're going to make it that anakin didn't kill all them kids yeah because that's really hard as well when you watch clone wars the animated series and anakin is like the boy he's like the rebel he's the he's the character that you associate they do really well to kind of make him the person you root for but not in the films not in the films <laughs> yeah and with him coming back in ahsoka is which i believe is set in the mandalorian time so again he'll be coming back as the force ghost version of anakin not vader oh, no. or anything like that unless the ahsoka series is somewhere between clone wars and but that would be weird if it was I with do. Ahsoka being in Mandalorian. Anyway, is that, is that out soon? No, they're not oh, out okay, soon. Yeah. Um, Sirius Black for waiting until the very last moment to reveal himself when he could have prevented so many deaths yeah. and trauma. Like, like <laughs> just, right, no. <laughs> what a dick well, move. I never understood why Harry put, right, so everyone talks about how fucking great magic is. But simply put, if you just like left a note, you could like, you could sort out every single of them, like Chamber of Secrets. Don't go in there. Just, just yeah. leave a note. <laughs> I didn't lure your parents to the death. And also, watch out for that cat, because he's yeah, not yeah, a cat. Yeah, just, it's a rat, mate. <laughs> oh, it's a rat, it's sorry. A rat. You're right, scabbers, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> Get it right. Muggle. Um, the Crystal Lake PR guy. Do you are. That's a fucking, I was thinking about that. I had, I had, I had one man, I did realtor for Elm Street. <laughs> just like, just any, any deaths here? Well, I mean, not as many. <laughs> <laughs> well, is, is, 
Has that just been decorated? Oh, the mess they left, last tenants oh, left yes, it in. Yes. I tell you. Yeah, the, the Crystal Lake PR guy, because despite all the murders, people still keep going. <laughs> the guy who sells the box in Hellraiser, it's like, oh, what does it do? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this is my single favourite ever that I think, I actually, I actually, I would doff my own cat, James, if I was wearing one. Locksmiths that create locks that can be opened by someone shooting it, <laughs> but at the same time, not damaged. No, at the same time, someone can shoot it to lock the door from someone getting in. <laughs> Which I, that is such a thing in movies where you think, hats off locksmith who created that lock. If James Bond needs to get through a door, he will shoot it. But then two scenes later, he'll shoot a door to stop people getting in the door. Yeah. No, Brilliant. No, mate, do you not know how locks work? Apparently not. Um, I've got, what about the person who puts the umbrella sign on everything in the Resident Evil films? True. Bear in mind, the, the world's over and they go, well, we still got to get, we still got to get our brand out there. Yeah. <laughs> so, and they still got to get our evil brand out there for people. How else would they know it was us? <laughs> what I love about it's the only way, the only way, the only world that can be scary in it is in the end of the world. It's like, ooh, an umbrella. Ooh. <laughs> um, the thoughtful people that leave torches and candles in hidden chambers and vaults that have been sealed for hundreds That's of years. Fucking, that is, look, I always appreciate that. What about the person whose job it is to explain every time why Jurassic Park is a bad idea? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just that meeting, just like, I was saying, just like, well, we tried it like three times before and it still hasn't worked. Is it, isn't it in the first Chris Pratt uh, Jurassic Park movies or Jurassic Worlds? They only turn on the tracker of the dinosaur like halfway through the movie. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's like, why you just turn it on before? Vincent Doranfaro will probably still be alive. <laughs> um, what about what about the plastic surgeon and face-off who kept that little skill a secret? Because <laughs> that wouldn't be useful. I know. Let's use it on this criminal and John Travolta. Let's let's show my skill set now. Um, what about Will Smith's agent after he turns down every decent film? <laughs> do you want to do the Matrix? No, I'd rather do Wild Wild West. Um, in the cinematic universe. Any priest at a funeral, because that is the wettest job in Hollywood. Yep. If there's a funeral, it's raining. And they never have an umbrella. <laughs> at a funeral, the person who's not selling a black umbrella. Yeah. <laughs> I've got red ones. No, no, no. Must mm. be black. A lot of unsung heroes out there. Um, the social workers in Home Alone, who after the first instincts went, Kevin can stay with that family. <laughs> it won't happen again. <laughs> Maybe that's why there's not a third one. Because even they knew it was a bad idea. I'll tell you who's an unsung hero, James. Who's an unsung hero? Every physics teacher in the world of the Fast and the Furious. Because <laughs> that's an easy job, isn't it? Why cars? <laughs> Just, you know, gravity doesn't yeah. apply to cars. What about uh, Jonah Hobbs? <laughs> unsung hero. <laughs> no explanation, Jonah Hobbs. It's been a while. Oh, yeah. That's still one of my favourite things about that movie. The unsung hero, obviously, in, in Star Trek, mate, is, is the science. Which, and Doctor Who, when you're in trouble, mate, mm. there he is. <laughs> What about news anchors that wait for the exact moment that the hero turns on the telly to announce the breaking news? <laughs> it's like they're waiting on standby. <laughs> you know, whenever it is on the news, it'll be like, and we'll get back to that story in a moment. Now, what's going over there, Jane? <laughs> well, someone's just invented a cookie that tastes of, you know, oh shit, I missed, what is it? What's the big thing? No. I love the fact world ending news is followed them like, wouldn't you, a cookie? <laughs> <laughs> um, all the people that leave their car keys in the sun visor for the hero that to just lovely. steal that car. You know, you are the heroes because if not, we'd have to watch them pathetically hotwire that vehicle any person who works in Manhattan literally in any film <laughs> just <laughs> is a hero all those innocent bystanders that get mugged of their clothes and are exact fits, fits for the hero yeah thank you for your bodies <laughs> the, the, the people who work in retail when the snotty person comes in as a go at him it's like 
oh, you could have had all this fucking pretty woman. And he's just like, I'm just trying to do my job. <laughs> just, I, I work in Manhattan. I live about fucking 40 miles away because there's no way in this job I can afford to live in this village. Oh man, I saw, I saw one of these videos that was like taking you around the, the guide prices of some of these New York apartments. Um, you know, like, sick? oh yeah, like smaller than, uh, you know, like the smallest bedroom in your house with, and it's like $1,500 a month. Jesus fucking Christ. hell. I'll tell you who's an unsung hero, James. The high school kids uh, that returned to school the day after someone has been butchered and slashed. That's always freaked me out in slasher movies. Like, yep. I remember trying to get days off school when I was younger for like, like the minutest things. Yeah. And, and they're like, oh, fucking hell. Dave got butchered last night. Can't miss maths tomorrow though. <laughs> We've got a test. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to go in. I've got to go in so I can slam a locker right next to the uh, the hot girl who's the, the main target. <laughs> the the high, the high school guy's teacher that's desperately trying to tell teenagers not to have sex in films. It's just <laughs> like, you, we appreciate you. The number one though, and I have to think about this hard, the number one unsung hero in all of movies is the humble bartender. Now when the hero walks in and goes, beer, Resist the urge to go, what fucking beer? I've got like 50 and just hands them a bud. <laughs> we respect you. We respect you for not talking back to that person. And you share top spot with mums who make elaborate breakfast in no time and no one eats it. I nearly <laughs> put this in and I was going to put on some heroes is that the waitresses and the cooks and the chefs in diners that bring food and then this, the, and they're like, we've got to go and they leave all the food out and you're like, you know that's going... That, I tell you what, they're going to Augustus Glump it, mate. They're going to take it back and they are gobbling that shit. Oh. Unsung heroes. I, th- I don't think this will be the end. I think that more and more will, will, will show up as time goes by. Some of them we've previously talked about. Some of them are classics uh, and a lot of those are tropes spun on their heads to uh, to just to create jest. For bants. Mm. All right, we're in hour 20. Are you ready for a 30-question quiz? Yeah, so w- w- what have I got to do? Right, you just got to answer these simple questions, my little pedigree chump. Is it going to be simple? It's kind of simple. They are multiple choice. And listeners, especially long-term listeners, you can play along with this quiz, the Sorry You're In My Seat quiz about Sorry You're In My Seat. Mm. So, Aaron. Yeah. I've gone back and listened to some previous episodes to give you the ultimate quiz on Sorry You're In My Seat. Question one. What was the first inductee into the vault? Was it A, Heat? B, See No Evil, Hear No Evil? C, LA Confidential, or D, Exit Wounds? <laughs> it definitely was not Exit Wounds. It was either See No Evil or Hear No Evil or LA Confidential because... Oh, you, you're on the right. You're on the right. Because, because we, we both we, mentioned. We both mentioned them as favourite movies in that one. Mm. I think it's See No Evil, Hear No Evil. It was because you were the first person to speak. And then when it was my turn, I did LA Confidential. Point to you. Thank I won't you, remember sir. the points. I don't think they matter that much. Uh, two, what film did James's parents ridicule him for crying at when he was a young'un? Home Alone. He fucking straight down. Uh, so you went with A, which is Home Alone. You could have also had Warship Down, My Girl. Or exit wounds. Warship down fat for you, James. Mm-hmm. Talked about in uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, Roy Kinnear, who was in that, who played Mr. Salt, yeah. w- was one of the original voice actors in Warship Down. And yes. Rory Kinnear was a voice actor in the remake of Warship Down. Ooh, very nice. I am a nerd. Uh, how many zombie movies did the three of us watch for episode two? Was it A, 17, I say, B, 25, C, 33, or D, exit wounds? <laughs> it was 17, I think. It was 17. You are, Nate, mate. Yeah, I, think, I, I thought it was 18, so that's the nearest. Uh, James famously compared legendary remember them, Sorry, remember them days when we watched 17 movies yeah. in, in preparation for a podcast? I mean, today for this one, you asked me to start. I was like, no, I watched it. <laughs> um, James famously compared legendary actor Tom Hanks to which food? Potatoes. He was potatoes. You could have had A, spaghetti bolognese, B, chicken gear with a nice side salad, C, potatoes, or D, exit wounds. <laughs> <laughs> During episode five, we had a battle royale. Who did you pick as your water boy? 
So was it A, Nurse Ratchet, B, SpongeBob SquarePants, C, Buzz Lightyear, or D, Skynet? Who did I pick as my water boy? It was your water boy. Give us them again. Uh, was it Nurse Ratchet, SpongeBob SquarePants, Buzz Lightyear, or Skynet? You picked Skynet. I did pick Skynet. It wasn't my water boy, I'd like to point out. Yeah. I I, I don't think I would have picked Nurse Ratchet. Hmm? So I have some back to this episode. I, like and I don't to, think I did. So I think it must be SpongeBob. It was because because your argument was he's a sponge. <laughs> <laughs> it made sense then, James, it and is, it makes sense now. In episode five, because you ridiculed me for no sound actually, and I like to point out Waterboy. She was literally her job to keep you hydrated. I'm still fucking. And then I got angry because I listened to the Skynet bit, and it's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> fucking 175 episodes later, I still got a chip on my shoulder. Blake was the first ever guest on the show, but what was the episode topic? Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. It was Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. You could also have had original Star Wars trilogy, the A to Z, the film characters, or the topic, how sexy is too sexy? Did we do that? No. (laughs) (laughs) According to episode 12, which one of us hadn't seen The Godfather? Was it A, James, B, Sam, C, Aaron, or D, exit (laughs) (laughs) That's Sam. It was Sam. Oh, many moons ago. Complete the song lyric from this 2018's film. Venom, Venom, Venom. <laughs> was it A, Venom, B, Venom, Venom, C, ready to go snap any moment, I'm, or D, I'm holding on. <laughs> That's a deep cut inside <laughs> joke. <laughs> I think also it's not the first time I've made that joke. I think it's more Venoms. It's not. It was C, it was ready to snap any moment, I'm, which is might be why I think there's so many Venoms in it, because it's just nonsense. Our first Halloween episode was called A, A Nightmare on Coop Street, B, Download if you dare. C, Hello Scream. Or D, Halloween Special. I feel it was a nightmare on Cooch Street. It was a nightmare on Cooch Street. I'd like to point out that Download if you dare is the second one. And the third one is Halloween Special. We, we, you could say, we start off high, mate. Just, <laughs> yeah. like, just walking. But the theme was, because we used to call the titles like obscure names. Yeah, the, like it, the first one was called James <laughs> and the Giant Exit Wound. Yeah, but then like we started finding out that people were more likely going to download it if they know what they're getting. <laughs> yeah. So in Nightmare on Cooch Street, people were like, I'm not sure what that's about, so I'm not going to do it. There's, there's wise <laughs> as well. During the A to Z of film, which did you pick for your letter P? Was it Perks of Being a Wallflower, Pineapple Express, Pan's Labyrinth, or Aladdin? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Pan's Labyrinth. It was Pan's Labyrinth. But I would, I would, I would, Maybe now, Perks of Being a Warflower. Perks of Being a Warflower was mine, and uh, the other one was the thing is. Um, which film idea did James and Aaron create in episode 18? Was it A, Adventurers of Sean Connery? B, Murder of Santa? C, Sex Toy Story? Or D, Exit Wounds 2, Vengeance is mine? Sex Toy Story, mate. <laughs> it's still, it's... still begging to be made, that. <laughs> um, how did you describe the film Hunter Killer? Was it A, Olympus has sunken? B, sunken to new lows? C, slightly more fun than having your ears being tortured with a cheese grater. D, a masterpiece. <laughs> I think it was Olympus has sunken. It was Olympus has sunken. You're right. You actually said, you actually said sunken to new lows. And then the next episode, you said, how did we not call it Olympus has sunken? So you would have got your points right. for that. On the road, not bacon. What was north? Was it crazy desert of Cage, the peak of Shannon, the woods of Amy Adams, or exit wounds alley? <laughs> <laughs> I think... Same again? Yeah, so... The Shannon, I think. It was Shannon. Yeah. Shannon was North, because <clears throat> when we were doing that. <laughs> Show Me The Podcast joined us on episode 47 to talk about which trilogy? Was it the Cornetto trilogy, the Alien trilogy, the Indiana Jones, or the Harry Potter trilogy? <laughs> <laughs> it was a Cornetto trilogy. It was a Cornetto trilogy. Now, this one's a bit more complicated. We're halfway through now, mate, so let's get those chops up. Mm. 
Give me the order of the Resident Evil movies. <laughs> so there's Retribution, Afterlife, Extinction, Apocalypse, Final Cut, and Resident Evil. Right, so Resident Evil goes first. It is well done. Then it's Apocalypse. It is well done. <clears throat> then it's, uh, name the other ones. It's uh, the one in the desert. Um, yeah. Afterlife, Extinction, it's Retribution. Ex- it's Extinction. It is next. Extinction. Then you've got three left. Uh, Final Cut, Afterlife, Retribution. Uh, retribution. No, it's after last. No retribution, and then final cut. Final cut. Um, there you go. See, um, which Harry Potter spell summons objects? Is it Ascendio, Alamahora, Accio, or Achoo? <laughs> <laughs> um, instinctively, I went Accio, mm. but I think it could be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well played, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did write down originally what they meant, but who cares? Right. <clears throat> we did Nicolas Cage episode. That's what this question's about. Nicolas Cage starred in a film called Primal, but what is it about? Is it A, Cage's character has amnesia and thinks he's a tiger. The film ends with him in a bank heist. B, he is a hunter on a boat, but so is a killer who, rely- who releases all the wild animals on board. C, Cage's character is a vet that discovers someone using animals to smuggle drugs into the country and does something about it. Or D, he has to steal a declaration of independence again, but this time dressed as a cat. <laughs> is this actually a film? The primal is. One of those is true. <laughs> We've talked about it. We haven't talked about it. That's the problem. What's the second one? The second one is he is a hunter on board a boat, but so is a serial killer who releases all the wild animals on board. That can't be it. The, the, sec- the, the first one was Cage's character has amnesia and thinks he's a tiger. The film ends in a bank heist. I want it to be that, but what's the third one? Uh, Cage's character is a vet that discovers someone using animals to smuggle drugs into the country, so he does something about it. Go with that one. No, it was B. It was, he's a hunter on board, but there's a serial killer. And it's just lucky because he's a massive hunter and he's able to take these animals down whilst the serial killer's doing his thing. That's, I haven't seen it. That just sounds terrible <laughs> on so many levels. Everyone loves Conor McLeod. But what name does he use in 1980s New York? Is it A, Kevin Nash, B, Thomas Nash, C, Russell Nash, or D, Pluto Nash? <laughs> Kevin Nash is a wrestler. He is? Russell is, I believe, the uh, name because the I remember the scene where they they use technology to dictate that he's got the same handwriting as someone who's dead. <laughs> Fucking brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, correct. Uh, which film were you talking about when you said, one of my least favourite movies of all time. In fact, fuck it, stick it in the hole right now. I hate that film so much. Are you talking about A, Collateral Beauty, B, Seven Pounds, C, Aloha, or D, Exit Wings? That is a Collateral Beauty. It fucking is. You did that. It's the first time I've ever heard you like in like the 50 episodes I listened to. That was the one you were fucking brutal about. I cannot believe, I still can't believe the cast that signed up to that piece of shit. <laughs> I can't believe it. Um, when planning the heist in episode 56, what did you choose? Who did you choose as the mastermind? Was it Ethan Hunt? Was it Dutch? Was it Lex Luthor? Was it the wolf? I believe it was Ethan Hunt. It was Ethan Hunt. Man, you, 108 episodes, they were still locked in there. How many times did they say Michael in the film, The Lost Boys? Is it A, 149? B, 118? C, 134? Or D, 8,004,002,000? <laughs> Give me the first three again. 149, 118, 134. I think it's 118. It was 118, yes. <laughs> this is a great question, but it's, it's not great. Listen to the episode. Which character from The Thing did we describe as resourceful? <laughs> was it Blair, Charles, McGreedy, or Douglas P. Heckler III? <laughs> the, the reason why we called him resourceful is why he's so fucked up. 
All right. So oh, no, instinctively, I would have said Blair because he made a spaceship out of fuck all. <laughs> yes, but but that's not what we actually said resourceful. Is that we understood the three of us that he could make a spaceship. It was the noose that we found most impressive because <laughs> <laughs> there was no there was no rope. So well played. Um, during the war of Baldies versus Birdie, Birdies, <laughs> Baldies versus Birdies, who won in the game of badminton? Was it Voldemort? Was it Qui Gon Jim? Was it Jason Statham? Or was it the Wolfman? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I I try so hard to forget that episode, <laughs> and even that sentence doesn't make sense. They were playing badminton. Yeah, so you you were the judge, and you sent us Olympic sports. I believe I was Baldies because I was bald, and Sam had a beard at the time, so he was Beardies. You gave us a sport, and we gave you a character. So you gave us badminton, and then I said either Voldemort or Jason Statham, and Sam responded with Quite on Jim or the Wolfman, and you decided which one of the winners was. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it was Statham because I said if Statham you put him for diving, I would have given you it because he was a he was a Commonwealth diver. Yes, you did. <laughs> so I might go Voldemort. You well done. Oh. It was Voldemort versus Qui Gon Jim, and think you had a paddy. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, according to episode one hundred, Eternia is a a shithole. B lacking in something. C sand. I hate sand. Or D, a steal at half the price. <laughs> it's a shithole. It's, it? it's a shithole. It's a shithole. I don't know where He-Man gets that protein. <laughs> that was a great episode. You should go check out all these episodes. These were all fantastic to make. When we were discovering cults, what was your cult called? Was it called A, culty muck, culty cult cult? <laughs> B, parish of intergalactic monsters. C, P-I-S-S taker. Or D, self-made gentleman's club. <laughs> Give some first three again. <laughs> so, uh, culty muck, culty cult, cult. It wasn't that. B, parish of intergalactic monsters, or C, P I S S taker. I think it was the parish of intergalactic it monsters. Was, it was, I yeah. think it was a Harry Potter themed cult. It so was. I, th- I think one of the. I think one of the entries to the cult was everyone had to shave their heads to make sure Voldemort wasn't hiding. <laughs> um, you won't get this. This is good because you've got more so far. Name five of the top vehicles in film as decided in episode 105. Or four. Let's get four. Uh, the the Nimbus. No. The, <laughs> that was, that the, was Pepper, the argument you had. Pepper Pig's car. <laughs> was number one choice. It was the, the all-terrain vehicle. The Batmobile has got to yes. be one. Millennium Falcon? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And... Maybe I don't think we would have put the Enterprise because you were hosting that episode. I was, but you did pick the Enterprise. So, I so what was the fifth? Um, oh, you, you you picked ten. So it was the DB five, the Ecto one, the DeLorean, the Millennium Falcon, the Black Pill, the Magic Carpet, Bumblebee, <laughs> Enterprise, Batman, and your number one choice between the three of you. Because you had a special guest that week was Daddy Pig's car from Peppa Pig. Have you seen the hills that thing gets up? <laughs> I believe it was, it was, it was, yeah. Solid, solid clutch control for, for someone who's got a hoof. <laughs> Number 27, we're nearly at the end. Who was your choice in the letter Y in the A to Z movie character edition game? So you had Y, so you could have had Yondu, Yvane, Yoda, or Young Bon Jovi. <laughs> yeah. um, so Yondu. Yondu. I could have done. I did like the Mary Pop and Joel bit. Mm, Yvane or Yoda. Yvain. Yeah. I'm going to go Yondu. To quote you from this episode, I'm so glad you did that. I need to pick no child snatcher. <laughs> <laughs> you picked Yvain, who was played by Claire Danes in the film uh, Starlight. Is yeah, it Starlight? Yeah, I did, yeah. 28. Stardust. Stardust, I apologise. 28. Which of these films does Mark Strong not star in? 
A, Sunshine, B, The Guard, C, John, Car- John Carter, or D, The Sweeney? Oh, mate, solid question. Right, go for him again. Uh, Sunshine? Yes, he is in that. The Guard? That, what, that, the, no, the Irish one? Yeah. I've only ever seen that once. He may be in it. It was Don Shieldy or someone in that. Yeah. Uh, John Carter? The uh, Mars one. Mars one. Fuck yeah. it. I'll try and forget that. So maybe. Uh, uh, and the Sweeney with a fucking. He's got to have been in Sweeney, surely. Yeah. Well, is that what you're going with? So, no. Oh, I'm, no. I'm going to go. He wasn't in John Carter then. He was in John Carter. He wasn't in the Sweeney. The reason I picked the Sweeney was because when I saw the Sweeney, I was like, I assume he's in it. That is the most Mark Strong film <laughs> that he could <laughs> that, have been in. It's not in. Um, number 29. What was the first movie that we ever cast in the pit? you probably get this one. Was it A, Ibiza Undead? B, Jack and Jill, C, Mazes and Monsters, or D, Exit Wins. <laughs> I think it may have been uh, Abby for Undead. It was, because it was the second episode. Zombie episode. Wait, what, 17. Now, the last question. James said, what was his favourite bad movie in episode one? Was it A, Half <laughs> Past Dead, B, Mortal Kombat, C, Super Mario Brothers, or D, Exit Wins? Same again. Half Past Dead, Mortal Kombat, Super Mario Brothers, or Exit Wins? Now, this is a trick question. It is a trick question. Because you said... <laughs> Half us dead, but you meant exit wounds. You, you've you've foiled me, mate. Well done. You've you've got like two questions on. That's very impressive. Oh, thank you very much. So you know, that was only like thirty questions. Tried to base them on different episodes from the past. That's what I've been doing in my week. I've been listening to old episodes. Sorry, Massey. There's been some highlights there. Some yeah. really good episodes. Yeah, well, that's why I tried to pick them. Just like a kind of thank you for the work that you do on your birthday. You're my underappreciated hero. Oh, bless you, bless you. No, he's he's fun. I mean, looking back. I think there's been some uh, some great great ones like early days. I'd say the first like fifty, you know, when it was all chaotic the, and the first episode done age well. So I was listening to that and I oh, was I just, we just talk all over each other. And I I, there's probably not the confidence as well no. in, it, in it. And now look at us. Now look at us <laughs> confidently getting things wrong. <laughs> Still laughing about poo. <laughs> that never changed. That Something's changed. never changed. Um, cool. That is our episode for this week. We haven't decided on next week, so it'll be a surprise for all of us when we get here. <laughs> I can't wait to find out on Sunday what I'm doing. But it will be another quest to find the greatest movie this week. Charlie in Chocolate Factory, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, goes into the vault safe and sound. If you did like this episode, if it made you laugh, made you giggle, if maybe you learned something, I don't know. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and get a new episode each and every week on a different movie, topic, or theme. We will leave no stone unturned on the quest to find the greatest of all time. I've been your host, Aaron. Goodbye. If you don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night.